You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Nobody Panic. It's a general election special. Oh, <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> yes, that's how you vote. Yes, you have to shout here, 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 just whatever at any point on the twelfth of December. Yeah, that's what you do. Shout it once, that vote counts. That's yeah. it. Done. You don't know who for, but they just guess. Presumably. That's why we're doing a general election special, because we don't understand... Almost anything. Pretty much anything, especially not politics. But I'm also like, I've been watching all the debates. I'm quite mouthy and engaged for someone that doesn't understand how a general election works. Well, I was thinking that the other... That when the EU referendum uh, happened, Mm. before that, we wrote a sketch that was about how much we didn't understand... We did. We wrote the referendum. But I remember we really did not know yes. what it meant to be in... Like, we, we were so, it was of a, a high cyclone days in the Halcyon, past. I think. Why not? But um, got it. When people literally didn't know anything about politics. Beautiful. And now here we all are, so politically if engaged. Anything, we know too much without knowing anything. Correct. Which is why we've got an excellent guest. And we've got Marie Leconte, who is a French-Moroccan journalist. Correct? Yes, I am. Do you have a BuzzFeed and The Evening Standard when you were full-time? Was that, uh, is that yes, true? Yes, that is correct. correct. And now you're freelance. I am. You're, just, you're well into politics. Oh, writing so, a book. I'm so sorry. The book is written and the, a book. And the book is out. She's written a book. It's called Haven't You Heard? <laughs> Please explain your book so I don't sound like I'm just speaking for you, you know? <laughs> I don't want to. Um, yeah. Hello, thanks for having me. Um, so that's yeah, so a My book is called Haven't You Heard... Uh, I've literally forgotten the full title now. This is Gossip, great. This is Power, great. and How Politics Really Works. That's the one. That Good is the Lord. book that I have written and that is out in shops. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no. So it's kind of like, it, it is about the role of gossip in politics and kind of, you know, like, the, yeah, I guess, you know, how much influence like whispers and rumours, etc., can have on the way the country is run. Because I kind of meant it. I, did, I didn't really want to write a book about politics for people who already like are obsessed with politics. I don't really, yeah. I didn't really see the point in that. So it's very much kind of a book aimed at people who like you guys. Like you know, I feel like you know, feel like they kind of want to understand politics a bit, but also maybe don't have a super like long attention span. Understood. Um, and yeah, and what? get bored very quickly. No, no, because really, that's me. Like I obviously wrote this so, for yeah. me like a few years ago because I, you know, I, I do obviously really care about politics and find it super interesting. And I guess that the. the case the book kind of tries to make as well is that politics is really fun mm. um, and once you're in it and obviously I think there's quite a lot you need to like, understand first and you know how stuff works and who is who etc but then like, it, it is normally and it is normally quite fun that being said you know the, the slight caveat is that I now kind of want to die as a full-time okay. political journalist because Understood. everything is so bad and so when I was doing promo for the books when I was writing it I was like no this is still fine you know politics my passion the job that I do every day but yeah by the time book promo came around earlier this year people were like so you know now was just like I just hate them all I hate everything oh, no. why did I write this stupid thing but yeah no I'm sure politics will, will become good again at some after point. this general election Ooh. no nothing there no, is a real nothing. feeling that like both here and America that we've come we're so close to the very bottom that surely we must begin the ascent I generally think on. it can and will get worse okay <laughs> okay, okay. Right. that's good that's we're good. not in the bottom yet okay, we're halfway baby. down oh my god we Absolutely. can't go this much again I truly oh, I know please. we can we can and we will so this is basically an episode for anybody 
who wants to ask questions like, how does an election work? What's an MP? But is embarrassed too, because their friends will be like, what's wrong with you? I will be that. But I'm taking the the mantle. I'm taking the... You're so brave. Thank you so much. I'm taking it one for the team here. Mm. And sometimes you'll think, Tessa, that's so dumb. And (laughs) and you'll just have to think in your head, oh, she does know, but she's doing it. And you'll never know which one it is. is Correct. Yeah. Whereas just imagine I know all of it. Yeah. Absolutely not. Absolutely don't. Um, So stressed every time I read. I think one of the things about politics which I, why when because I haven't read your, your your book full disclosure but I will now when I was like looking up what, what it was about and the blurb and stuff it was the first politics book that I've had a look at I've been like oh I understand all of the words I know what this is about <laughs> this sounds really interesting it's like taking an element of politics that actually is, is quite relatable which is gossip and all, all of that sort of stuff which I think we don't realise is it's such an important part of it. And I think that's why we wanted to bring you in because I think it, what's the word? I think they almost sometimes can rely on the fact that people don't understand it in order to continue running the country or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, I don't really get it. So I'll just vote for the person I voted last for last time. Why not? Because I don't understand all of those words. And you don't know what's spinning. You don't know, you know what isn't. And when the manifestos come out, it's like, I, don't, I actually genuinely don't know what is real and what I should be paying attention to and yeah, what I shouldn't. Yeah, there's so much smoke and mirrors and like, we talked before about how the David Cameron, you know, dick in a pig uh, issue. Oh, um, I forgot about that. I was right? like, what are you talking about? Oh, no, <laughs> yes. I'm thinking about it That's four real. or five times a day. <laughs> and, and like how there is basically absolutely no evidence that that happened, but everyone's like, well, I'm, I like the story, so... Wow, I, I... Yeah, I mean, everyone's just like, he put his dick in a pig. Yeah. That's... That's, and that will be the main thing about him, you know. For the rest of his life. Yeah, because that's how gossip works. We love a good story. And as soon as you can sort of good smear Lord. somebody and, and get a rumour, get the rumour out there, it's it's out. It's out, baby. You, it's, it's not going back in. <laughs> so, let's, let's start. I'm going to start with my biggest and most stupid one, which is what is a politic? Is a, what is a politic? <laughs> what is a general election? And why can we just call them constantly? <laughs> Oh, cool. I mean, the first one is obviously a general election. Well, it, it is effectively so once every, technically once every five years. Okay. Um, so the country goes to the polls and you get the chance to vote for your member of parliament in your constituency. So a number of different candidates for a number of different parties will stand in each of Britain's 650 constituencies. Okay. And people right. vote. And then obviously, so whichever, again, normally, whichever party gets a majority of the seats, then the leader of that party gets to become the prime minister. Right. So the majority of the 650 available seats? Yes. And, yep. and is, a, is, those, is a seat an actual It's a chair? man sitting on a seat. Is it a seat? <laughs> uh, tis not. Tis not. The MPs sit on the green benches in the House of Commons. It's a part of a seat. So there are 650 available pla- butt places. There are, there's <laughs> places it's weird, isn't it? Weird, because it's Britain and everything is weird and nothing makes sense. Uh, you can't, I think, actually fit. No, no, you definitely can't fit all the MPs on the green benches. So right. I think there's only so space for like 400. And is that, well, is that well because, done, guys. Is that because... <laughs> like the one, your one job. But. Is that because in the past there were less constituencies and so 400 was the correct number or someone just fucked it right from the beginning? I think the assumption, if I remember correctly, the assumption was basically that you really, really, really rarely have all the MPs in the chamber Understood. at the same time. Okay. Um, and, and yeah, and basically, and also because normally you also get like Prime Minister's questions every Wednesday when the um, House is sitting, you'll have more MPs than usual there, but they, they can just stand like right. normally yeah, they kind like of stand really awkwardly debate and everyone was stood up and everyone Shanding was shouting and shouting and it okay. looked too full doesn't it it was like why does it look too full and you see mm. now and now I know there's 250 extra it's, people it's, it's, it's 650 butts rather than seats it's, yeah. that's a fascinating <laughs> and sometimes those butts have got to stand yeah sometimes they're bigger sometimes they're smaller <laughs> so, so of those 650 do you only have to get 326 to sway into the how much do you have to get to be good the fucking good math I was thanks. like two Four, <laughs> half of six, half of fifty. That's um, part of politics, isn't it? Numbers. But no, but that—that's the one. And actually, the quite interesting thing is that the prime minister in Britain um, technically has no formal role, so they're first among equals, which means that their only role is that they can command a majority in the house. Okay. So, because when you look, so for example, at the cabinet, so you know, you'll say you'll have the home secretary, the foreign secretary, whatever. All of those people are technically more senior than the prime minister because they've got jobs. Uh, okay. And the prime minister <laughs> technically doesn't have a job. Is that it's just that if you can prove you can yeah command a majority in the house, 
which is normally understood to be your party gain the most seats and you're the leader. But obviously sometimes, like in 2010 to 2015, parties can make a coalition and then, you know, the, the leader of that one party still lead that like, commands a majority. Because of they're now a the gang house. to yeah. got so as long the as you, majority. As got long it. as you have the numbers, then then you're there, which is a slightly, I don't know. It, so it always struck me as a really odd so sorry. To do it. I don't know, it's all good of being like, yeah, well, guess you have the numbers, fine, you know. Yeah, it, okay. Is, is a hung parliament, so what is exactly, so is, is a hung parliament where nobody really has had the majority but the two biggest parties um, joined together? Or is it that one has a majority and they're like, well, we should, like, what's the, what, what, what will it take for a hung parliament to happen? Uh, a hung parliament just means that no single party has an overall majority in right. the house. Yeah, the 300, uh, magical 326. But then obviously that, that can be a bit complicated because some parties like Sinn Féin get elected but don't um, take their seats and stuff. But anyway, and also there's the Speaker of the House of Commons mm. who becomes sort of like magical MP slash non-MP when they become the Speaker. Love this God. country. It all makes sense. Big yeah. fan. But yeah, no, no, a hung parliament is just when no party gains an overall majority. Right. So, okay. And, and that, that, that's happen. basically That's it. a possibility. It's not likely, but that is a possibility. It is. Making, yeah, you know, technically it is, it is um, possible whenever. Mm. Um, it's just we, we seem to just really love them at the moment specifically yeah yeah uh, yeah. so sorry last thing on this is this do jeremy corbyn and boris johnson are they still fighting for their seat in their constituency they are they absolutely are and there's even it's probably not going to happen but boris johnson in uxbridge his constituency doesn't have the biggest majority so there's been actually a really big push from labor to to try and him down so yes that could happen so the idea would be that actually if that were to happen, if, if Boris was to lose his seat while Prime Minister... There'd be a lot of memes. Um, yeah. So A, that, I think the first stage would be like a ton of memes. Yeah. And then after that, so another Tory MP with a massive majority would have to stand down to give his seat to Boris. And there'd be a by-election, so a special election, just one constituency where Boris would win and then come back like three weeks later and be like, hey, I never left. Wait, so when you say he has to come back three weeks later, where he has to go to ground for three weeks and then the country has no prime minister? So I think, yeah, they're like, oh, Dominic Crabb, like another cabinet minister would just have to be like... Take over for a bit. Yeah. While Boris goes and campaigns in someone else's constituency (laughs) (laughs) to become their king and then return to power. Yeah. This that's is insane. No, no, but again, that's why I have so much sympathy for people who are like politics is very confusing. It's like, yes, it is. It is. Politics yeah, it's is quite super interesting. It's like really, but there's it. so much like power play and chess mm. moving that you don't realise. Like, so this, just to be for hypothetical, this very popular, heavy majority conservative person who wins their seat very strongly, he or she then has to fall on their sword and give up their place to the prime minister. Yeah, but then the idea can be, and I know that that's just conjecture, but my guess would be that whoever does that will then be will then be put in the Lords and then may well be given a job as a minister from the House of Lords uh, right. as, like, a prize for that. Oh, okay. my God. Wow, wow. <laughs> OK, OK. That's a really good bit of advice for anyone standing in any constituencies that Boris might like. Yeah. <laughs> Watch your back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe this a is, Lord. This is nuts. Uh, so the 650 asses in terms of tactical voting, because this is something that I think lots of people... I've just seen loads of... Tactical voting! And I nod and go, of course. And then when I I try to explain it to somebody, I forget and I don't understand. So could you please explain for me (laughs) and the people what tactical voting is and how we as people can work out whether we should do it or not? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I can even give you a short history of it because I wrote yes. a feature on it recently. Yes, amazing. It's fresh in my memory. And so tactical voting became a big thing in the UK actually in 97. Mm. Um, so this group called Grot, get rid of them, who were basically just like, the Tories have now been in power for like 150 years. This has to end. Okay. And so looked at all the different seats like in the previous election, basically which races were the closest. So, you know, that where Tories won, but maybe Labour came super close second or the Lib Dems or the SNP. Mm. And then from that, they created a list of all the constituencies where, you know, basically the Tories won by the smallest majorities. Let's say there's a constituency where the Tories won by a margin of like 70 votes and, you know, and Labour Mm. just had like 70 votes fewer than the Tories. But then, I don't know, like several thousand people voted for the Lib Dems as well. So then what they would say was like, well, listen, if your priority is just getting the Tories out and you don't really care, you know, who else wins, basically, then you should vote Labour because the Labour and Lib Dem vote combined is actually more than the Tory vote in that seat. Right. Um, And so if all you guys basically go for the bigger party in that seat, then So it's go for the bigger party, the second one down from the Tories. I didn't realise it was just to get Tories out. 
out <laughs> tactic. That's interesting. So that's because yeah. they are consistently the they consistently have the majority. I suppose it, it could so, be used the other way around. So right. it could be it, if it was you're used in a, against Labour as well okay. in 2005. I can't remember who was the campaign, but there was a campaign being like get you know Labor get Mayor out. out, which obviously you know did not work, but you know they tried. And um, but so it can be any party, but it's just yeah, essentially it's just looking at different seats, looking at you know, but especially the ones the races were very close, right? And then yeah, seeing who was second best, um, and then trying to vote for them. So you look at your own constituency. So for example, like my one is a safe Labour, apparently. Mm. Matthew Pennycook, th- th- you're doing He's great got a work. very long face. He has got a long face and he helped with some situation with the, the wetlands in the area. Really like him. He's apparently been in there since 2015 and apparently it's been Labour for a long time. That, so, I suppose, so I suppose I'm fine. But I suppose it's if you look, is everyone, does everyone have to look at what the history of their constituency is and what the last... What, or, or just the last you election? Have, is it called a swing seat? Is uh, that right? Is that American? That's American. A marginal oh, no. seat. A marginal seat. A marginal seat. So that's a seat where... I, can't, I mean, everyone disagrees on how to properly define it because, again, this is Britain and why write things down and agree on things. But I think it's around 5%. At 5 points, so if the winning party in that seat won by under 5 points, then it's a marginal seat. Okay. The idea a being that basically... Okay. There must be know, a website that's got a list of all the marginal yeah, seats. I think oh, so very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Um, but as I say, so yeah, moving on from 97, what's made it... Because that was, you know, super straightforward and it was actually quite fun. So they worked with different left of centre newspapers like the Independent and stuff and were like just published literally lists of marginals and were like that one right. SNP that one Labour etc but obviously so I think now it is a lot harder because partly because anyone can create a website to tell you who to vote for you know according to whatever but B I think that that's been the main issue this time round. we have far too much data so in a weird <laughs> way it was nearly easier to be like okay we've got one set of numbers to look at and there's one for the last election and that's that but now it's like okay well do we look at that do we look at the results in the European election do we take into um. account you know remain leave in that area do we pay attention to the current polls do we you know like, and, you know, there's right. so much basically and depending on, you know, what you decide to pick, then it might tell you, well, actually, no, in that seat, Lib Dems definitely have a better chance. No, Labour, no, Lib Dems, no, SNP, whatever. Right. So I think it's become, in a weird way, like, the more data we have, the more confusing it is. Right. So sh- um, but should the average voter maybe look at the general, ele- look at the last election? Like, the is that t- t- just for people at home being like, no, I don't know what to do? Like, is that the easiest way? I think it is, but also it's just... I think good to remember that it's really not an exact science. Of course, right. Um, And so, you know, if you're going to be tactical voting, you may, you know, it may be a good shout or you You may may fuck fuck it up. up. Yeah. (laughs) I guess it's like if you're in a seat that you really care about Labour or you really care about the Lib Dems, but you know that like the Lib Dems will get 2% Mm. and therefore your vote while sort of like, well, thank you for your support, but it's actually... (laughs) Let's get shit done. Let's get some shit done. If if, If it's like, no... My, I, it's so important to me that I vote for the party I care about then do that but if really you just care about not having the MP that you currently have mm. then go for number two down yeah. even if you don't prefer the fourth one even if you prefer number four you know that number four is not going to get anything done Yeah, which is sort of how it feels when like you know, tiny, small, very good parties emerge that you sort of feel like, wonderful, thank you, but like you're green, actually green sort of... Party. Green party. And the, and, green, and the women's party and, you know, and lots yeah. of things like that. You're like, wonderful green, but like, it would be more helpful if you could throw your weight to some, you know, mm-hmm. you're never going to take them down from position number four. Yeah. But if you put your weight behind number two, maybe we've got a chance. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the polls there. Are there like particular polls? It's like, well, th- that's a good poll to look at because there's so many polls every day. And there's also now like on Twitter, I've, I've been drawn in by some like joke polls. I've been like, <laughs> no way. It's like, oh no, that is a joke. Um, and so, yeah, w- w- if someone's listening, being like, I literally don't know where to find anything. What's a good poll? Is the YouGov good? Oh, oh man, uh, I don't. I think I think polls are quite tricky. Partly, so I actually, and I, f- I feel like I really need to plug it now. But I actually do a podcast uh, called Polling Politics. Oh my god, uh, great! With, uh, Listen to Marie's podcast. Yeah, pollster Jay Twyman, like um, who's good. very good, and he's part of Delta Poll, formerly of YouGov. And, and it's obviously something we've talked about quite a lot, especially in the context of the election. And I think what especially pollsters want people to know is that polls are not predictions; they're snapshots. So it's not when people look at a poll, let's say published yesterday. Um, I don't don't know, let's make a fake one, you know, saying that Labour actually would get a majority. Mm. Then, you know, what people get from that is that, oh my God, Labour is about to get a majority. Maybe not. Like, you know, and and it's it's the thing of, no, what it means that that's where the country was at 
you know, on the day, that mm. on that day they asked people, that's how they felt and that's that. And, and it may well change because I think every election there's going to be chatter of like, oh, well, the polls were wrong because clearly, you know, they didn't predict what happened. It's like, and, and it's actually quite funny talking to pollsters because they're really getting quite desperate. They're like, but we're not trying to predict. We never said no, we're trying right. to predict anything. But I've like, never um, been asked. Like, who who do they poll? Like, so he, never once he, been asked. He is a pollster? He is. So his job every day is to poll? Uh, it is. Wow. Wow. So what does that involve? What does it involve? Who does he poll? I just I genuinely if, wonder honestly, if it was me, I would just poll myself and then I, and then I would just hand in the results and be like, done, done. Not, well, also, actually, actually, I think the interesting thing about polling is I know he is the fact that, you know, um, his company will talk to a lot of people on different issues. So normally either for like newspapers or private clients or whatever, or for, you know, just their own stuff. But then, so I think that the difference between, you know, just us, I don't know, asking people in the street, you know, for their opinion on something and being like, it's a poll now. Um, yes. And what they actually do is the weighting of the poll. So it's comparing, so all the people, let's say you've asked like, you know, 300 people a question and you'll have asked them as well, you know, um, their gender, their age, where they live, etc. And you have all that data as well for the general British population. And so you have to basically make certain, I guess, make certain opinions more important. But let's say you actually, you know, unknowingly got to any interview, so like 60% men and 40% women, because as we know, men just have opinions on everything. Yeah. But, you know, obviously it is 50-50 in the world, so you will give more weighting to the woman you pulled. So it basically, you know, correlates so, because okay. actually the electorate is not 60% men, 40% women. Right, whatever. Okay. So actually a lot of it is in the like very fine tuning of the weighting of like, yeah, trying That's to make the people, yeah, you pulled look more like the electorate. I see. Right. And so is there not a particular poll that we should all be looking at? It's just we just have to take all of it with a, a bit of a, like a how interesting and now we move on sort of situation. I think so. And I, I think basically now, and especially again now there's so many polls, they're quite useful to look at the general movement things are going. Yeah. So normally, because obviously in every poll we'll get normally slightly different results as well. But if you get a thing of, let's say, and I think, you know, in the last week, um, every poll had Labour going up a bit, some of them by like one point, some of them by like quite a lot of points. Mm. So I think what you can get from that is, oh, Labour seems to be on the up somewhat. Got it, yeah. <laughs> and then so I think they're quite good for, yeah, just tracking the national mood of going yeah. like, oh, who's broadly speaking going up, who's broadly speaking going down. Understood. And that's anything, anything closer than that. And then you might set yourself up for disappointment or, yes. you know, so I think it's like, or, yeah. So it's take it with a pinch of salt, take it with it's this on this day and mm. it's a... A quiet reflection of something, but not a... So if, if, if your faves aren't doing great, they might do great in the election. You don't know. It's just that on that Tuesday, they weren't doing great, I suppose. Right. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We thought it would be quite nice to just look at each of the manifestos. We're going to focus on Labour and Conservatives because, so sorry, Joe Swinson, but it's not likely that the Lib Dems are going to get some sort of windfall landslide. But best of luck 
And if you're a Lib Dem listening, best of luck to you. So we thought we'd look at the manifestos of Labour and Conservatives. And obviously, you know, you may not have read them. <laughs> so we'll oh, no, they're very boring. I have not. Very boring. Yeah. Long, right. But on purpose, like they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. You, you release a they massive document yeah. that's full of waffle. And then you know that no one's going to dredge through it and they want to wait little, for um, what's the word your little tagline yeah. like get Brexit done and for the many not the few and yeah. so then everyone just goes well I suppose that's it then, yeah exactly and then you trust that some journalist will wade through it pick out the some sound bite that's in there and yeah hope works. anyway please sorry no I just want to start with the Conservative Manifesto I just wanted to ask you if there was anything that you think is notable or like basically the top lines of things that are interesting about the Conservative Manifesto we are going to be non-biased and I hope nothing creeps out in my voice. (laughs) (laughs) For either. Well, actually, the Tory Manifesto is a bit of a weird one in that there's not much in it. Interesting. Okay. (laughs) How so? Um, Well, no, I think, you know, and and I think that's that's what they wanted is just, you know, they kind of... You know, they, they wanted this to be the Brexit election. So they're like, OK, right. we see going big on Brexit. So, you know, saying we will leave you know, on the deadline of the 31st of January 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also the transition period will last no longer than until December 2020. Okay. And then we're out and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, on the deal that um, Boris, I guess, sort of negotiated. So that, that that's the main thing. Then they want to get tough on crime. Um, right. That's their big thing. Basically, yeah, like, you know, keep people in prison for longer and stuff um, and, and so forth. Mm. Um, so big on that then so health wise that's a slightly weird thing so they, they've tried to go really big on health so um, with this NHS thing may I ask mm. there's obviously been a lot I found it very confusing because Boris Johnson said in the debate repeatedly we are not selling the NHS off then Labour said oh well they said that they're going to actually privatise it but just slowly so that no one will notice and then everyone was like yeah well those documents that Labour have revealed are actually pointless and they don't actually say anything and then everyone was like yes they do and what what do you think? <laughs> oh shit. Um, it's okay if you don't I'm not think sure. So I think okay a bunch of different thoughts I think on the documents themselves as I think quite a lot of like genuinely impartial like wonks tweeted about at the time they were like actually reading through that that looks like quite normal talks of like at the beginning of any okay. talk on anything you do have to discuss you know what each party actually wants and you know what what will be that the you know what will be the topic of discussion rather than way you know kind of I draw see. the big lines and being like okay what we'll be talking about you know how far can we push on this how far can we push on that etc so i feel like the people i've seen talking about it who know what they were talking about didn't seem especially worried about the nhs right uh, yeah and then on the privatization thing i'm not sure because i do think that Having had that chat with a number of Tory mates in the past, their argument is always, well, we have been in power for quite a lot of years since the NHS was created. It's still here. Like, you know, mm. you know, and their argument is like, well, you know, if we'd really wanted to just privatise it, we probably would have done it. Right. Um, and I do, you know, and I do think that actually the vast majority of Conservative uh, MPs, not all of them, but I do think a majority of them generally do want to keep a sort of like, you know, public um, public NHS, that's through our point of use. Mm-hmm. That being said, you know, so I, I think that's the thing. So I think they would be comfortable probably selling off bits of it and making bits of it private, but not necessarily for the end point of, you know, and then it'll be fully privatised, ha, 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 ha. Right. But it's just, I think there's that. And I think, you know, there's probably the argument as well that they would put sort of like less funding in to the NHS than Labour would, which is probably why Labour tends to lead on the issue more because Labour is just like, you know, clearly there's a massive funding crisis um, yes. in the NHS. But yeah, no, so, they've- so it's not as hysterical. I think maybe this, this would be a constant, is it? It's not always as hysterical as everyone would like you to believe whereas like Boris is literally like waiting desperately to sell it to Trump (laughs) and Jeremy Corbyn is like I'll save it like it's not whereas obviously the political discourse is is always that isn't it it's always just like oh one's a saviour and one's evil or then it switches around one's incompetent and one's competent Mm. and it's very difficult to to keep a level head. So that, that was very interesting because that kind of shows that there was mm. more to it. And obviously you don't know because you're not in the rooms, but like you, you've got mm. more of an overview than I have. I think the thing is like, it's sort of a small end of the wedge that like, obviously it won't be like day day one and it's off. off. That's the end. Mm. It's, that's the end. NHS is gone. Everything costs a thousand pounds. I think it's more like it will be very slow privatisation in which they sell bits of it off. And that is a possibility. And, yeah. and I think once that begins, once you've like set a precedent of like, oh, this worked when we sold, you know, this hmm. small section, like it will just become greater and greater. But that's greater. already kind of the case if I were to mm-hmm. do mm, that. I, I, I do think that, you know, that, that already bits, you know, and partly 
from New Labour, like they're already sort of like, you know, private bits of the NHS, kind of, you know, obviously like private contracts, etc. And they're, mm-hmm. yeah. they're kind of there. But, but you know, I think that being said as well, and um, that's going to be with a huge caveat because I'm not a health policy specialist, but I think on all sides, if you talk to the experts, they're like, this is all nice that we keep fucking arguing about, you know, either privatisation or just funding and that's it, when actually a lot of the problems in the NHS are a lot more complex than that and it's mm. about the way it's run, it's about who really has the power, it's about the administration, right. the different hospitals, etc. So again, all that stuff you'd only really know about, I think, if you're really an NHS expert. Yes. Which I am not, so I will not get into the detail Absolutely. of it. But I think is that as well, when you get stuck into a really simplistic debate, yeah. you lose the idea that, you know, and again, when you talk to health professionals, they're like, well, actually, that's like, you know, super far down the list of like things that we need we to sort care out. about like, yeah, as yeah. actual medical um, professionals <laughs> it's yeah very interesting right so you're saying it's always, let, but yeah no, so on on that note uh, so i think they so they do have yeah some stuff so um well they that was a slightly weird one because they're going to bring in fifty thousand nurses oh yeah but then but, there was that puzzling into yeah. matt hancock we're like well, no well, they're not extra nurses and it's like it's like, mm. like thousand nurses already exist. It's like, well, that's not... How can that be? Yeah. yeah. So that <laughs> so genuinely... 30,000 more nurses. And, and clear. And, uh, a, yeah. a number of nurses? There mm. will be a number of Lovely. extra nurses that may be new, but may not be new. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but okay. I, think, I think something that people find very hard with all of these promises is like they have already been in power for nine mm. years. Why aren't they already so there? So for you to be like, well, no, no, I promise, you know, and also there's feels this real like, you know, well, it will be shit under... Corbyn you're like well it's quite shit now and, and you're in mm. charge it might be nice to have an alternative yeah yeah, exactly mm, they're know. like you can't be like we promised to bring in 50,000 more nurses but like why are they not already here that's possibly mm. the constant maybe difficulty of someone uh, the party who was in power in an election having to be like mm. well we'll promise these things and remember being like well, you've, yeah but you've done you've yeah been really this election mm. should be like look at our backlog of work like yes. look what we've done and we will continue to do this good work but I think the weird thing must be that in that period of time, they have had three prime ministers, and that's probably not yeah. great because it is quite general elections get quite personal. So I think it's the weird thing where Boris can't really go. Well, look at you know everything I did over the yes. past few years because it wasn't him, and obviously he's not exactly a close friend of Theresa May or David Cameron's. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but equally, you know, he can't just rubbish them because then that rubbishes the party. So yes. it's like so I think you know it, it is that slightly weird thing when you had s- several PMs while a party has been in power. Like that last yeah. one is a bit like unclear yeah, <laughs> how to go about to this say. Brexit, yeah. get Brexit done yeah yeah um, there's busy that but then uh, so apart from that they'll end hospital parking fees for night shift workers disabled people and relatives that are terminally ill that's very nice and we'll bring but in but again that's like oh my god why was that not why already not in place like, <laughs> that's, I did not know that was even a thing like that's yeah. insanity so to be like we promised to end this you're like you absolutely sh-. the fact that that's still mm. the fact that that's in place is yeah. testament that you I think well, there's a weird the, thing. So I don't, I've not followed it super closely because it's really dull. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think there is some debate over like hospital parking fees because um, apparently when like it's free, it's just people in the area and they're parking there. Mm-hmm. So people with, you know, the ill like relatives, yeah, just don't want. But I, again, I don't really care because it was very dull. It was one of those debates <laughs> yeah. where like people got super worked up as well. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> There's always but, more to it than yeah. like the the conservatives love getting money from those people who have friends who are sick and they're visiting them in hospital and people who are doing night shifts. It feels like there has to be a reason that that hasn't happened already. But yeah. I guess as well, they will have to, yeah, I don't know how they'll, they'll um, tackle the the concept of then people just parking in in those spaces but the hospital car parks are massive so I'm sure it's fine (laughs) yeah but then so I think with that actually coming back to what we're talking about they're bringing back nursing bursaries which if I'm not entirely certain but I'm almost certain the conservatives were the one who cut the nursing bursaries Mm -hmm. and it's like just kind of a nice that well Fuck that one up. Yeah, let's <laughs> bring yeah. it back. Sorry. <laughs> Just sliding it across the table, being like, sorry, mm. sorry. You um, can have your money back now. Apart from that, what are there issues? Yeah, again, there's really not much. It's um, just Brexit face. So yeah. there's, um, I mean, it's still, yeah, they aim to reach net zero in terms of like carbon emissions by 2050, but we knew that. Okay. Um, and everyone says that 2050 is definitely too late. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's not like that. That's not really a sexy headline kind of grabbing thing. That's yeah. We'll definitely be dead by the time. The, <laughs> yeah. The, but yeah, that's way too far. Yes. Yes, but mm, I know. Yeah. 
But they're all quite old, aren't they? So they're all just like, well, it doesn't really affect me. So I'll- no, it's a weird thing. Like Bill and Melinda Gates once attempted to do um, Malaria Zero oh. and they were like, we will eradicate malaria in, in a year. And everyone was like, gosh. <laughs> Maybe give it like God, give it, five. Give, it, give it a chance. Yeah. You know? Whereas like, of course you can't do that. Whereas this is the polar opposite that's yeah. like way, way too long and, po- and pointless. We'll be living underwater by that point. But it, that's kind of it. That's okay. kind of it. It's basically just, yeah. A lot okay. of Brexit with a cider, cider crime and a bit of, bit of nurses. But a bit of n- nursing births. Okay, should we get, turn to Labour? Because they're, they're promising lots of things. What are the most exciting things that they're promising? They are. Well, I do feel like we have to start with Brexit. Sorry, this is very boring. No, we boring. absolutely have to. But, uh, but, and actually, that's one on which I will really defend Labour because I feel like lots of people, including like Labour supporting people, have been like, ugh, like, the Labour plans on Brexit are so confusing and so weird. Like, why are they doing that? It's actually really straightforward. It's like if Labour were to win, they'd go to Brussels, negotiate a softer deal, you know, as with Labour policy, and then they'd take it to the country and be like, hey, by the way, it's been a while. Do you want this deal? Actually, do you just want to, like, call the whole thing off? And that's that, which I generally think is not, like, it's quite a good shout. Yeah, Um, and also I feel as well of the pulling point of the Conservatives is that, well, there's already a deal. So it's, and Boris keeps saying, um, it's ready to go in the oven. He keeps making a lot of cooking references. Mm -hmm. But there is a very distinct possibility, I'm sure, that they will have to negotiate another deal because they've had to negotiate just consistent deals constantly. Mm. So there's not that much difference between the two. The only difference is that Labour will give us the option, whereas Conservatives will probably, there'll probably be some back and forth between Europe anyway. Mm. The deal that, as it currently stands, is not likely to be the one that we go out on the 31st of January with. We don't even know if we're going to go on the 31st of January because it keeps being pushed back anyway. So it feels a bit like, yeah, I felt like that when when it was all like, that's very confusing. I was like, actually, it just sounds the same, but with just a little bit more choice for everybody. I don't, I don't know. I would argue, and I think, and, and that's... I don't know, that's partly a failure of the press, but also I'm not sure how the press could have handled that differently. But we've not talked that much, actually, about what's been in all those deals, like what was in Theresa May's withdrawal agreement, yeah, what true. Boris Jane, et cetera, like, you know, and what Labour would offer. Like, that there's been little. And I think that the Labour deal, because it would have a closer relationship with the EU, mm. would, A, you know, um, like the economy would take le- a lot less of a hit, but also would, um, this is the boring technical bit, but this is only, like, and I feel like we keep forgetting this, the deal we've been arguing about for like 1,000 years now is only the beginning. It's not even like we've not even talked about the future relationship really between the UK and the EU. This is just the terms of the the just terms leaving. of the, the exit. That's oh, it. God, right. um, and so actually, so you know, there's the argument as well that Boris's deal and whatever Labour would uh, negotiate would set Britain on very different paths in terms of like what the future relationship would be. Interesting. So actually, those deals would be like genuinely sort of like different. I see. It's difficult um, for us to know that because we just don't, like you say, we don't know about any of the other deals, the past deals, really, because they're so complicated and then they just didn't work. And then I also can't fathom what the Labour deal would be. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm. like, so we interpreted, but then at the same time, it's like, well, like you said, an alternative would mm. be nice because it's not working mm. as, as it is. Mm. So there's, there's always that as well. And, yeah, I think everybody has got, by just keep shouting, get it done, with no concept of what it or the word done means mm. in that. <laughs> and so mm. the, the, everybody knows they're playing to a you know, it, it, it's not clear. They know that we're too confused by it. They know that yes. we don't know what on earth mm. we're talking about. And we they know that we're extremely bored. And so bored. We're very <laughs> bored of it, of the mm. whole thing. So everyone's like, yeah. Imagine how I feel. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> Constantly bombarded with Brexit. But yeah, okay. Well, I suppose that's a difficult one for people to get their heads around as to one might think uh, that yes let's just get out let's just get out because I'm bored and then there's the other thing of just like well let's try another option that's softer that that maybe it feels like with Labour maybe we would be able to understand it a bit more that would make it a bit easier for us to understand and then put because if, we, if we're going to vote on it we have to understand it whereas mm. with the Conservative one we don't have to understand it for that to be put into place which I think is I find to be the kind of crucial difference mm. between as someone who doesn't know anything. Yeah. I think it's absolutely mind-blowing that... Well, firstly, that David Cameron resigned on mm. the day. Like, he should have had the balls to be like, I fucked it, and now I'm going to be a leader, and... <laughs> and I'll stay for breakfast. And I'll stay for breakfast, you know? Like, mm. <laughs> very classy. Rather than just, like, um, pre-ejaculating and then, le- <laughs> and then, and then like, wandering out the door and being, I like, mean, humming, being like... Talking class. Is that, yeah, well, sorry. No, no, I liked it. But, like, that is, you know, that's the, like, at at the moment when true leadership was needed, he immediately just ran for the hills. Mm. And when people needed him desperately to sort of steer the country. And 
Exactly what he you're saying. He would have been like, kicked out by the Tories, Tory MPs. Oh, sort he 100% yeah. would, but just the, mm. you know, he should have had the balls to stay and be taken down yes. rather than be, you know, just scuttle off. Like, and he should have put those things in place, exactly that, to be like, okay, here's a completely divided nation. Mm. Some of whom think this and some of whom think this. Let's go out and let's ask the people what it is they need and be like, okay, we obviously need to sort out this and this and mm. this, but otherwise is everyone cool with the rest of it? Okay, let's, you know, carry on rather than this, mm. you know, give some people some black passports and then, you know, let's let's get let's let's not talk about this again rather yeah. than let's argue relentlessly about this for mm. the next 10,000 years. But also years. and I think one of the bigger I think when we look back at Brexit in like decades to come one of the bigger mistakes was Theresa May deciding to trigger article 50 before she knew really what she wanted. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's quite and tricky. it's like that's not, you know, that, that that's just decision making 101 mm. when you know you don't want, like, I don't know, you know, like, looking at work, I'm not going to set myself a deadline for a piece I'm writing if I don't know what the fucking piece is. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, yeah. it's just, you it's one of those, it's like, you kind of need, and the fact that she, she was just like, <laughs> well, you know, that was the thing. Big is, red button. It's like, that's that's not how politics should work. Yeah, in many ways, that is sort of what people do recommend with trying to write something is like, mm. set yourself a deadline, okay. you know? Maybe a bad example. It, no, no, that's what I mean. It's like, it is the perfect yeah. personal example, but if you're running, a, 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 mm. a, you know, entire an entire world economy you know who e- mm. everybody will be affected by this thing don't be like yeah yeah, yeah. i just mm. put it in <laughs> i just did it <laughs> lol. lol let's go back to the labor man- manifesto yes. and yeah and anything that sort of particularly piqued your interest in terms of the environment uh, i think they're quite interesting so they're not committing actually to a strict deadline for net zero okay. they're saying they're aiming to have net zero on carbon emissions by 2030 okay but basically know that that may not be possible but they want to get as close as possible to it it would plant two billion trees by 2040. Yeah, uh, that's fascinating. I, I'm into it. Big yeah. fan of trees. Someone, someone did a breakdown that was like, and I think the end was something like, they, if if that's true, then they will have to be planting like 36 trees per second or something. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a super interesting debate, actually, on Twitter, for like Twitter at its best, of like yeah. people coming up and being like, hi, I'm actually an, an you know expert tree planter. And it turns it out, be done. super easy, super easy to plant trees, which I did not know like 48 hours ago. But no, it's apparently you're just like, yeah, you can plant one million a day quite easily. And it's like, what? Wow. Wow. Also, yeah, a, what? B, why are we not doing it? C, why I want one million it? trees now. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to help. I yeah. want to help plant the trees. We, we give aren't... me some se- tree seeds. I don't, I yeah. don't know how yeah, the nature works. So. We'll do it. <laughs> well, we aren't doing it because people would rather a, uh, you know, Trump's like, what if we put a reflector in space and <laughs> the sun shone back on itself? <laughs> Ideas. <laughs> like, we would genuinely rather that than just be like, let the planet tell you what it needs, which is yeah, more yeah. trees. That's so like, funny. We don't, you know. Yeah. So bizarre. I'm slightly dead as the idea of like yeah, a big sun mirror. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a big magnifying uh-uh. glass over yeah. the sun. And people so are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sun. Let's invest in that. Probably put a trillion pounds or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Thank you so much. But I think interestingly as well, they do have quite a good plan on uh, how to get stuff done. So they would have a green industrial revolution, mm-hmm. which would add one million jobs to the employment market and shift industries like construction, electricity, transport and gas towards renewable energy. So it's not just about reaching net zero. It's about kind of like reshaping society as well in a way that makes it sort of like more... Like practical almost. Yeah. You can see how the because that's the problem, isn't it, with the, all of those you know, especially like the northeast, those kind of industrial mines and factories and things. It just they don't fit in with this new kind of like green wave. So if there's some way that we that we can or the labour can, yes, that's exactly. It. It's not just about being like, oh, there's no more mines, there's no more this, there's no more thing. It's change like, them. It's this now. You still have yes. a job. If anything, you're making more money. But now we make this with some green paint. We make green paint. You know, it's not about saying, oh, everyone's going to lose their job. It's being like, you're still, oh, you've got a job. Yeah, like, you've mm. got, you know, it's just going to be more world healthy. Exactly, rather mm. than just getting rid of things. Mm-hmm. And then, and actually, I'm going to have to mention because I forgot the Tory thing. This is the really boring bit about work and taxes, etc. Yeah. So the Tories would raise the national insurance threshold to 9.5k next year and eventually raise it to 12.5k. So meaning the first, like, you know, 9 to 12k you earn, you would not have to pay national insurance on it. Okay. Um, Okay. How would that affect things well how would that affect anything you well so currently you don't have to pay it on ten thousand pounds okay right interesting and now you now you get an extra two thousand pounds basically okay you, you know how you when you do your tax return no but what do the government use the national insurance contributions for like would that that's not don't marie looks like she's they, gonna explode they put it in the in the big taxes but, but i guess and then <laughs> when they need money they take yeah. it from the big taxes fault. Understood. So I hope so you presume that <laughs> Labour have got income somewhere else or like they're going to be getting money somewhere so, else. Yeah, Labour are taxing so think, the 
Eight, over 80,000. To make up for that. I see. Right. Mm. So that's, so yeah. Who, the sorry, Tories, who's is that? The Tories. Uh, Tories. So right. The Tories, Tories, yeah. But no, so Labour. So yeah, Labour would increase income tax on those earning over 80k a year. Right. And also reverse George Osborne's inheritance tax cuts. Oh, interesting. Um, re- oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Here's a really interesting thing that I think says so much about it is that like Jacob Rees-Mogg writing his like disaster capitalism mm. book and like so mm. many people currently involved in Brexit literally bet heavily on it mm-hmm. you know and like shorted the market or whatever they did in the big short stuff that we cannot comprehend and there's like billions of pounds on the line and also i spoke to a i mean i, I met a investment broker hello hello at a party who was like oh uh, people are running with their money out of investment firms because people are concerned that if labor get in like the investment market will collapse and so that sort of tells you everything you need to know which is like the big money group like the Mm. inheritance tax being changed like this is you know and there's a whole documentary about them changing it from being called like inheritance tax to death tax or Mm. the other way around that like if it feels like a thing that basically it's like the Tories are so clearly like people with a lot of money are making more money mm-hmm. here, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if it's like, and then is it, yeah, anyway, that's fine. But I always found it, so there was a study I thought was super interesting on how the super wealthy uh, quite recently were still more scared of Corbyn than a no deal Brexit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I and it's that. like, but that's, but, but also that's really weird because just like in, in very factual terms, you know, whatever happens with Corbyn, even if, you know, like McDonald takes over and whatever and goes like full full hard left like it's still i think the super wealthy would still lose more cash or you know kind of their companies would tank more in a no deal brexit than under a corbyn government which yeah, as, as a factual yeah. thing so it's interesting how ideology clearly supersedes i think anything factual on that but um mm. so just to finish on manifesto uh labor we're not talked about labor in the nhs mm. so they would increase the amount it spends on health by 4.3 percent every year Offer 1.6 billion a year for mental health services, which I think is very good because mm-hmm. uh, everyone's brain is broken now. And also, the one I'm genuinely quite excited about: free dental checkups for everyone. Good yes, Lord. please. I know. I know. My dentist has been texting me for the last two years saying you're overdue for your checkup, and I'm like, I don't want to spend that amount of money. I yeah, no, <laughs> I feel fine. I've been meaning to go for quite a long time as well, which is I think this policy specifically. I'm like, you have caught my attention. Yeah, it has yeah. been months. I was hanging out with a friend in the pub yesterday who was like, just got my teeth cleaned. And I'm like, why would you shame me like that? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and other than that, Labour would raise the real living wage to ten pounds an hour for all mm. workers above fifteen, because obviously currently sixteen to eighteen year olds and less. Um, than their older counterparts. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think there's some childcare stuff as well from the parties. Well, I think the Tories are creating a £1 billion fund dedicating to getting high quality and affordable childcare, mm-hmm. but it's not entirely clear yet how they're going to spend that billion. Okay. But, you know, that, that, that's nice. Yeah. Um, and Labour would include 30 hours a week of free childcare to all preschool kids. And mothers or partners sharing parental leave would get a full year of maternity leave. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's nice. nice. That is nice. And I wrote that bit and it's like, oh, that's just quite Lovely. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what would you say? Because obviously the Labour manifesto is a lot more detailed and there's a, less ju- just about Brexit, but lots of people saying that they are over-promising and they can't possibly afford. But then I read something that said, like an, um, an, econo- economist, mm-hmm. <laughs> an economist looked at it and was like, no, there's not any, like they would be able to afford mm-hmm. that. It seems... Their budget it seems pretty legit. It's very difficult to know what to believe. Well, my my favourite by which I by which I mean most depressing bit was uh, the IFS, the Institute for Fiscal Studies, mm-hmm. which is normally so it's the think tank that um, is always in charge of you know whenever there's whenever a government does a budget, for example, the IFS will be the ones the day after being like you know it's good or bad, or this can happen, right. this can't happen. It's okay. kind of their thing. Following and the then IFS, after the manifesto, they were like, yeah, no. Neither manifesto really works financially. <laughs> that's that really so interesting. Fucking great. Okay. Cheers for that. That's um, good to know. We need to know this stuff. Okay. But then, but also, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I always find the fights about oh, how we're going to spend that. You know, and like with that work and stuff on manifesto is quite boring because it's like, well, actually. You know, there will always be one million different ways to interpret manifestos and be mm. like, oh, but actually, you know, and it's always the thing of like, if the Tories are looking at the Labour manifesto, they'll try and add up all the like top figures, you know, to yeah. be like, look at how much they'd be spending and vice versa and stuff. And it's like, actually, you know, most of the time you can get 
what you want to get from manifesto if you try hard enough so mm-hmm. yes and also the manifesto shows in another way it just shows the kind of general ideology of a party what they would like to do mm. if they had that money right sometimes rather mm. than oh technically can you do all of this in the first year like of, mm. of course they can't but it, often it's worth a read or worth looking at all of the the party's manifestos just to see if it's um, you also would you like a very nerdy fact yes please yes, please cool uh, which i really enjoyed so part of the reason why why parties put a shit ton of occasionally like seemingly random stuff in the manifestos mm-hmm. is that there's a long held convention in British politics that because you know the way it happens normally stuff in a manifesto whatever but let's say a party in government they want a new law like you know a new bill on something and so it goes through the commons then through the laws commons laws so it kind of does that for a while different amendments etc however the house of lords is not allowed to vote down a bill if it was in the manifesto of the party who won so basically right. if you okay. stick a thing in the manifesto it means that your only your only job and your only threat is in the commons not in the lords uh oh, back from i think the first labor government who got elected but then at the time the house of lords was full of tories and they were like well listen we've got to do something about this because like <laughs> the lords will just vote down everything we do otherwise and yeah. so the compromise they reached was like okay well fine if what you're putting through is stuff you did get elected on, like stuff that was part of your manifesto and your the platforms, then we say. will not vote it down. That's um, and so that's why like pops that's up in just in case. Yes, they, yes. They, they why through. are they popping more stuff in? It's but, pop but it think, in, pop it in. <laughs> but that's why it's quite interesting because it feels like you know the Tories will just do very little, and then obviously you know you can still do stuff. That's, that's not that, amazing, isn't it? Really cool. Um, and yeah, and exactly what Mary said. Like, it, it feels like if the Tories have not got a lot of stuff in their manifesto, it's like they're not even bobbing to hedge their bets on yeah. it being taken down. But then I think it's care. a fine line to tread on because because that's kind of what Theresa May tried to do in 2017. Look, the manifesto was thick. Like, there was a ton of stuff there. Right. But then obviously the more stuff you put the more potential there is for controversy to be about, you know, even a, a minor thing. About mm. dementia um, tax thing. So, you know, exactly. Yeah. So I think you've got to have that balance between we want to try and, you know, try and put in everything we can think of. So if we really want to do it, then we can get it through the Lords. But equally, the more you put, the more chance you have of getting a policy that'll get bad headlines. Um, so right. it's quite hard so to balance it's a out. Balance. That's that should be the American system. Like, you should have one idea. Mm. And if you get voted in, then no one can fight you. Yeah, mm. you, just, you just do it. Yeah. yeah. I have a question from listener Alice, who Hi, got, Alice. got in touch. Hello, Alice. And Hello, she, Alice. She says, I would love if you, if you could discuss whether the parties have kept their promises in recent history, because there's lots of promises in the campaign um, for X amount to the NHS or X amount to tackle homelessness. But these promises have been made before, and I'd love to know the history of sticking to them so I can, so, because I'd much rather vote for a promise that will be stuck to rather than arbitrary pipe dream. What now? Obviously, it's very difficult to go like. Well, the the answer is not going to be the Labour of always. Mm. The Tories have never. It's much more difficult. But if so, that's fine if you can't. But it'd be good to know your thoughts about that as a, on a whole. Well, there's been um, actually there was a really fascinating study on exactly that topic a few years ago, um, which I don't have on me because I don't carry studies I've read around. Why Sadly, not? No, I know. I know. My I God. should. However, I can tell you where it's from, and it's a very good book, especially if you're like only like a bit interested in politics, okay. or again have no. Uh, attention span like me it's called sex lies in the ballot box Um, and it's basically uh, there's two people who got i can't remember how many but let's say like 30 academics who study politics and they're like okay so hey your life's work can you condense it into 2,000 words and also make it entertaining? And right. um, so it's just, it says 30 2,000 word essays on like one topic that someone is a complete expert on. It's, super, it's really, really good. But anyway, so one of them. Wow. Yeah. It's, I really, I've read it twice because I am tragic. <laughs> but oh, one of fascinating. them. Yeah. <laughs> one of them was about actually, you know, how much actually gets done, um, you know, between manifestos and like people in power. And actually it's, and I, yeah, again, I can't remember the exact figure, but it's something quite high, actually, not quite 70%, but I remember like it's quite a high figure. So actually political parties do a lot of what they say they will do. So they don't actually yeah. break promises that often. However, the massive caveat in that study was that manifestos are always very good at making most stuff quite vague. Right. So, so it's quite hard to, so obviously apart from like normally a few big eye-catching policies, it's more like promises to do more on this or make sure we consult yes. on this, whatever. And it's always quite hard to be like, okay, well, you know, how, who gets to decide whether they've done enough for it to be like a commitment right. that they've fulfilled or not. But no, but actually they tend to do a lot. But then I think the other thing on that as well is that it can be a bit of a tricky one because if you're just like an, a, a normal voter, like a normal person, you're probably not very likely to read an entire party's manifesto. What you're going to read is probably the leaflets you get from your different MPs or like, you mm. know, read stuff from your 
from your MP. And there's always going to be, I think, a discrepancy between... Because I think it's basically it's entirely fair for a local, let's say, local Tory MP to be like, these are the issues I care about. You know, if elected, I'll care about this and this and that. What that means, you know, if, especially assuming that person doesn't become a minister or anything doesn't become like randomly the prime minister overnight, sure. is that they will fight in parliament and within the party to get stuff done on those issues. So let's say green issues or whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's still one MP in a party, like in a system that's based on political parties. So there's only so much they can do. Right. Um, so I think that that's the thing as well when keeping in mind kind of, you know, expectations of an MP, there's only so much they can do as like one member of parliament. Yes. Um, so, so there is also, so when um, Alice is, for example, looking at the manifestos, it's it's quite likely that... 70% of that stuff will will get done, but just not in the way in this, because I suppose like a lot of the headlines will focus on the things that maybe they didn't do. It, like, so hmm. the, the left will fo- focus on the things that the Tories didn't do and then the right will fo- But, so I guess it's more like, don't think about that so much and just think, just vote for the manifesto that really you identify with the most and that you think works for you the best. That, or also, you know, it, it can be the case, you know, that you want, and especially I think this election has been, like quite specific for that as well, in that quite a lot of people seem to be very unhappy with the party they usually vote for. And now that's, you know, I think yeah. all sides, all Brexit sides, all left and right, etc. a lot of voters are like, well, you know, I'm usually Tory, but that's a faff, or I'm usually Labour, but that's a faff, etc. And then I think what happens is that you can also, because a lot of what an MP does is work in the local area as well. Mm-hmm. So obviously, because I feel like we've talked a lot about the House of Commons and, you know, all the butts on the seats, etc. But at the end of the day, you know, an MP is very much a local person. They take care of their constituencies. So I think it's always fair, especially for maybe MPs who are already, you know, are, are currently MPs, uh, to look at their records in the local area as well. You know, have they been good? Have they been helpful to constituents in need? Have they, you know, been good at, yeah, at caring for the area, both internally, but also maybe if there's a problem in that area, being able to go up to Parliament, go up to the relevant minister and be like, listen, there's that problem in my constituency, fix it. So I think that right. there's a lot mm. as well about the local stuff, like beyond the party politics of like you know is your MP a good local person because that is at the end of the day who you're voting for you're voting for Mm. MP aren't you you're not voting for Boris or Jeremy or Joe you're Mm. yeah that's fascinating is there anything else that you wanted to ask Marie Tessa no, I feel gen- full, full, full yet <laughs> full of Marie, full of Marie, yet deeply <laughs> tired by the whole notion of British politics. I did see a really nice quote from somebody on Instagram that was like, um, "Voting is not like marriage. You get on a bus that is going in generally the right direction. Don't wait for one that's going perfectly where you want to go. You know, just like start traveling." Sorry, I do not know what that says about me, but I genuinely thought the way that quote was going to go was like, voting is not like marriage. It's more like trying to pick someone up in a club at 3am where, you <laughs> right. know, there's only the people that are exactly. here. Like, you've got exactly. to pick from them. You, you don't have to... Ma- ah, yeah. you don't, exactly, you don't have to marry this person. We're just looking for any... We're, doing, we're taking the a best... A hot bang. A, a hot bang from the best of a bad group. From the, the lights have yeah. come on, take what you can get, you know? Yeah. You don't have to... It doesn't say that much about, you know, you just like... Who would you like to shag the most? Who would you want to shag yeah. the most, you know? Is and, it Jeremy? Is it Bob? Yeah, and it, honestly, it's not oh, upsetting. Yeah, both at the but, same time. <laughs> Thank you, but, but it's just like, yeah, yeah this, will, this will do. Whereas if you constantly are waiting for the very, you know, we're all desperate for like our, our Obama to arrive. Oh my God. And our Obama. And a lot of people hated Obama. Do you exactly. Know what I mean? And like, our Obama does not look like he's he's coming anytime soon. Not for a while. Not for a while. So there's no point sitting it out waiting for Obama just like pick someone in the club. Yeah. Mm. Look, they're, they're the people who are here now yeah. and they've both sort of is shown that they're interested. Yeah, they've, so they've, enough. they've given... The, <laughs> they've, they once looked in your direction. <laughs> and that, that is and enough. That's, and at this point in the night, that's enough. Yeah. enough. They'll come um, home with you. But thank you so much, Marie. What, what's your Twitter handle for people who want to follow uh, you? It's at Young Vulgarian. And may you tell us why? Uh, oh, just because I was trying to find a name for my Twitter ages ago, and there's a really good song called Hey Come Young Vulgarians from a band called The Makeup. And also, Young Vulgarians were... That was so cool. Um, they were girl gangs in the 50s in New York who oh, had the please. massive, like, you know, the kind of Amy Winehouse type beehives and yes. they'd hide uh, knives and razors in their massive beehives for street fights. Good Lord. Oh, God. <laughs> well, look, she's put some thought into her Twitter handle. I'm very jealous of your, of your Twitter handle. <laughs> um, uh, Marie's book is out now. It is called Haven't, haven't You Heard? heard? What? What's that, Steve? Haven't you, I haven't heard. <laughs> well, well, by the book, for God's sake. Jesus. Gossip power and how politics really works. And is it what, what is it like a spe- specifically good place to buy that? Like, do you prefer it on Amazon or not on Amazon? I don't, I feel really bad because lots of people have been like, oh, like, I really want to be helpful. Like, what's the way that gets you the most money? And it's like, listen, 
I'm baby. Fire. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm don't baby. To know these things. <laughs> I believe if you get them from a, a large bookshop, like Waterstones, like Waterstones, other bookshops available, it means that they then have a note to be like, oh, a lot of people, this was very oh. popular. Let's move this to the front. Go so to Waterstones. I believe buying it in person is is the most helpful. And uh, yes. please, we've not got a book, but we have got a Twitter handle <laughs> at Nobody Panic Pod, and I'm at Stevie M. The S is a five. At Tessa Coates. At Tessa Coates. No, no cool history. There's no cool history. It's just our names and mine's got a five in it. Please like, subscribe, buy Marie's book. I hope that was helpful. Podcast is called the Polling the Pod... Polling uh, the Polsters? Polling Politics. Polling so, yeah, I feel politics. like you were close. You were close. Polling Politics. Listen to Marie's Pol- podcasts. Pol- and yeah, I mean, look, best of luck, everyone, on December 12th. Pick someone in the club. And for God's sake, vote. <laughs> well, if you haven't registered, you can't. But register for next time, Register please. now for next time. There'll, there'll be another one in two weeks. We know that. Yeah. And now you know if it's a hung parliament, you know what that means. And even if you think, what's a bloody point? I'm not even done doing it. Go and do it. Come on. Come on. Don't leave the club alone. No, exactly. Take anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hi, I'm Lucy Beaumont. And guess what? I'm Sam Campbell. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy our podcast. It's called Lucy and Sam's Perfect Brains. It, we have a podcast and uh, it might be, I, I probably don't want to sound, um, you know, like I'm bragging, but it's dynamite. It is electric. It's high voltage. And please, we really need you to listen. You don't understand how much we need this. Is it on all the platforms? Oh, it absolutely is. But um, yeah, we, th- this one is coming. This one's out now. Lucy and Sam's perfect brands.